Hi, this is Howard Jacobson, and I am thrilled to be joined on the phone today by John Robbins. Hello, John. Hello, Howard. How are you doing? Very well. So I, I want to start by telling you a story I imagine you've heard tens of thousands of times, which starts out with the phrase, your book changed my life. <laughs> um, so in, in, in my case, um, I was 24 my father had just died of a heart attack following a, what we thought was a successful remission from prostate cancer. Um, I was uh, overweight, depressed, despondent, um, not particularly energized about anything, and I stumbled into a bookstore and found Diet for a New America. God knows why I opened it, <laughs> took it down. There was no, I had no interest in the topic. And within three weeks, I had gone from size 34 to size 31 waist. Um, I felt better than I had felt my entire life. And I saw clearly uh, that my, my purpose was to, uh, to help spread this, this message and, and help people be, be healthy and happy. So I want to begin by, by, by honoring that work and by thanking you for writing it. Well, thank you and um, for, for that appreciation, and I, I'm glad that, that Diet for a New America was of use to you and has inspired you in this way. And, and now you have, along with uh, our, our dear friend, mutual dear friend, D. Colin Campbell, uh, co-written a book that is uh, changing many, many, many lives now. Whole, Rethinking the Science of Nutrition. Um, is is a beautiful piece of work, and and I'm really grateful to you for for how you've taken the baton and carried it on. Well, thank you. I'm. I guess we're 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 all seeds in the ground, and uh, the next plant keeps growing, and and uh... yeah, and producing more seeds, and and, and this is how the, the 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 activism of our time really is functioning. It's you know, one heart opens the next, and one person's uh, willingness and courage in, in living differently than maybe they had grown up doing or the culture expects of them, uh, but is more authentic and more healthy to do that. And, and then that, that, their example is contagious, and it, that one, one teaches the next, and, and gradually it builds, and, and, and hopefully it, it, it attains enough of, of us that, that we can turn the tide. Yep, and and uh, yeah, as much as I look for sort of global trends and marketing techniques, it all it does come down to one heart touching another. It does, and and that's I've often thought that the fundamental unit of social change is actually the human heart. Hmm. Yes, I can. Uh, I, I I feel my chest rising when I hear that, so it must be true. <laughs> So you, you mentioned courage. So, and I, you know, you have a great story. Um, and I think I'd like, you know, for people, most people who are going to listen to this have heard your story in some detail. But I, uh, I'd like to explore some some things about it that uh, that I've been curious about. And I wonder if you could just sort of tell us the, you know, the the nutshell version of of how you went from, you know. Heir to a an ice cream fortune, to to where you ended up. Okay, I'll tell the nutshell version as, as concisely as I can because I'm eager to get to what the questions you have are. Um, but 
for those of our listeners who aren't familiar, uh, my dad and uncle were the founders and owners of Baskin Robbins, 31 Flavors, which became the world's largest ice cream company while I was growing up. And and while I was growing up, my father groomed me to succeed him. He he always expected, he assumed really that I would follow in his footsteps and and one day run the company. Um, my uncle Bert Baskin, my dad's partner and brother-in-law, died of a heart attack, um, like your dad did at a at a pretty early age, um, as apparently your dad did. He was 54. I don't know how old your father was. He was he was seventy one, but uh, oh, okay, but, but quite vigorous. I was still uh-huh. I was still shocked. That's still a shock. Well, my uncle was fifty four, and it was even more of a shock because uh, because of his age, and and um, I chose to walk away for a variety of reasons from my father's expectations and from the family business, and and as well from my dad's wealth because I wanted to live in integrity. And um, I knew that that required me to dissociate myself from any connection to my father's uh, financial achievements. And so I did do that, and, and I walked away from the, the, the ice cream cone-shaped swimming pool in our backyard and the opportunity to, to have um, immense wealth, um, to live a very different life by, by different values, out of which I ended up writing Diet for New America and other other books and speaking about um, and and being an activist on, on behalf of a healthier, more compassionate uh, way of life and uh, particularly uh, the, our abilities to heal our bodies and the world with food. Okay, beautiful. Um, so, so one of the questions that someone asked me today when I told them that we had this call scheduled, and and I had kind of given them that some version of that nutshell. Um, they said, well, why did he walk away? And I realized I didn't know the answer, and I can't remember whether I just forgot or... Well, there were, there were a variety of reasons, all of them pointing in the same direction. Um, certainly my uncle's death, um, Bert Baskin's death at that young age shook me up. He was a very big guy who ate a lot of ice cream, and when it happened, I asked my father if he thought there could be a connection between the amount of ice cream that, that my uncle would eat, which was a great deal, and his fatal heart attack in his early 50s. And, and, and my, my father said, no, absolutely not. His ticker just got tired and stopped working. Hmm. And, and the message, in, 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 the subliminal message, the unstated message was, don't you ever bring that up again. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and, and I, I realized that my dad could not even consider the possibility there could be a connection. Um, by that time, he had manufactured and sold more ice cream than any human being had ever lived on this planet. He, he couldn't bear the thought mm-hmm. that there might be a connection between ice cream and heart disease. But I suspected there was, and I, I needed to, if not discuss that with my dad, because he wasn't open to it, I needed to, to investigate it and explore it and find out for myself. And and the more I learned, the more I realized, ice cream is not only not a health food, it's it's really damaging. Um, it's it's really not good for you. I mean, an ice cream cone isn't going to kill anybody, and I, I don't. I'm not at war with ice cream, but uh, the more you eat, the more likely you are to have a heart attack, like killed my uncle Bert Baskin, to develop diabetes, like my father did develop, very serious form of it, 
or or um, or, or become obese and, and, and diabetic and, and all these things that happens to so many people in our society. And of course, if you're selling Baskin Robbins ice cream or if you're living off the the revenue from the sale of it, um, you, you want people to to eat as much as possible and buy as much as possible. That is the business model. And I didn't want to be participate in that business model. I, I didn't want to. Uh, sell a product or, or, or profit from, benefit from the sale of a product, that was harming anybody at all. And, um, you know, it's not just Baskin-Robbins, by the way. Um, most of our, our listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with, with Ben & Jerry's uh, ice cream. And Ben Cohen, who was the, the co-owner um, of that company for many, many years and, and the co-founder, uh, is a beautiful human being. Um, he had a quintuple bypass in his late 40s. And Ben Cohen, like my Uncle Bert Baskin, is a very big man who ate a lot of ice cream. And this is what happened. Hmm. So um, you, were, you were fairly young, right? You hadn't you know, spent a decade in the CEO chair. You were, you were sort of a, I don't know, I'm guessing you were in your 20s when you. I was in my early 20s um, when a choice point occurred. Um, um, a company came to Baskin Robbins with an offer to buy it for a tremendous amount of money, and, and my my dad was torn. He knew that if he if he sold it, he would remain as president and chairman of the board, and and be set financially for the rest of his life um, at at a kingly level, to say the least. But he'd lose control over it to some degree, um, and and gradually lose more and more as time went along. Whereas if he retained ownership, he would not lose control. Um, and he, he had hopes still of, of working with me um, and the two of us being a team. And so he brought the issue to me and, and said if it, it appeared to him that I was moving in a different direction, but this was a choice point, this was a moment of truth, and if I thought there was any chance I would come back and work with him, he would not sell the company. But if I was sure that I wasn't going to come back, than he would, and I told him, it, "Actually, this is a, 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 a this is a relief for me. This actually takes a weight off my shoulders, um, and I would suggest that you do sell it because I, I this is not my path in life." And he looked at me and said, "Why?" He was very upset, and I said, "Well, we live in a different world than when you grew up. Um, it's a different economy now. Um, the gap between the haves and the have-nots is increasing." all the time, and I don't feel more secure. I don't think that creates more security for anybody at whatever level of economic class they're functioning. And, and I also don't think it creates a, a sense of community. I think it tears it apart. Um, we live under a nuclear shadow now where at any moment the unspeakable could happen. We live in a time when the environment is degrading intensely and increasingly under the impact of human activities. Um, we live in a time when, when, when there are children dying of hunger uh, by the tens of thousands every day, while elsewhere uh, there's abundant food resources going to waste and, and fed to cattle and feedlots. So we can eat hamburgers that are a quarter cent cheaper, and our cholesterol levels that are already too high can, can be driven even higher. And I said, under these circumstances, um, for me, uh, inventing a 30-second flavor just would not be an adequate response for my life. Hmm. So, so one of the questions I have scribbled here on in my preparation notes is whether you were scared to to say no 
to all that. And uh, I'm wondering whether that what you just told me answered the question that you were actually far more scared of other things. I, I think that's the way to put it. I think I was far more scared of other things. And I was scared of living an empty life. I was scared of living an inauthentic life. Um, I was scared of not being true to myself. I, I, I was scared of betraying my integrity. I was scared of of being, succumbing to the money and and the lure of, of a tremendous amount of money. Um, and and in the process of that uh, succumbing, uh, dying inside. Mm. That's, that's what scared me the most. And so, you know, people have asked me, how could you give up that level of financial security? And, and the answer is actually because when I did it, um, ironically, I felt more emotionally secure. I felt more true to who I am. I felt that I was finally not placating my father's um, uh, expectations, but instead living in, in, in accord with and, and seeking to develop the gifts inside me and, and, and my potential and my destiny. I love that because there's there's so much of your story that, I mean, it's you know it has inspired many people. And so as a marketer, I certainly appreciate the value of a good story. But the story is really one of kind of this selfless heroism. And what I hear you saying is that you really didn't have a choice. You know, I honestly didn't. I, I at a very deep level. I mean, I suppose I did at one point. I could have gone into denial about everything, you know, and 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 just eaten ice cream and gotten rich. But I, I that's just no way to live for me. And I, I had felt too much pain already in my life, and and to, to, for that, that would be in vain if I just went on a business-as-usual type of path. And and um, my wife of, of 47 years, uh, Dea, was with me at that time. And and she wasn't surprised at all when I actually, when the, you know, when the moment of truth arrived and, and the, the, uh, my father had that meeting with me and I told him, please sell, I'm, I'm not coming back. And, and she, she, I told her, I came home from the, from the dinner and told her what had happened. She said, of course. I mean, she knew me, um, so it, it, it was a, a, a key moment, and yet it, the handwriting was on the wall. I, I really knew that um, I had a different destiny. You know, I didn't know, though, Howard. I didn't know what it was. I knew I had to just put one foot in front of the other. I, I had to, to live it a day at a time, even a breath at a time, and just do what felt true and real and life-affirming, and follow um, that my inner guidance or, or higher wisdom or uh, inner power or higher power or whatever language people have for, for their, that, that moral compass they have inside. I think we all do. That kind of points us towards true north, where our direction really, really should be. Mm-hmm. And um, I tried to learn how to tune into my inner voice and, and understand what was possible for me and where I was being called and um, to go where I, where I was being called by spiritual uh, values and, and live by, by higher principles than those that normally prevail in our society, which are the, 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 the values of materialism for the most part. Mm. And, yeah, and, and, and it's striking that you said, you know, I didn't know where I was going to go from there. And then, you know, I guess, I mean, about ten, 10 years later, you, you know, you kind of show up with like an army at the gates of the kingdom. 
Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who would have known? Uh, I surely would not have expected it, but but I did end up writing Back for New America, and uh, it it became a, a, a phenomenon, a, a huge bestseller. And 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 um, my mother said, "Did you write this book just to hurt us?" Oh. <laughs> and I said, "Mom, no, it's not about you. Actually, it's about <laughs> modern meat production and how our food choices." affect our health and our happiness and and really the future of life on earth it, it's about how we could uh live a much healthier life and and than we do and and a healthier one in terms of our relationship to to animals and 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 the whole web of life on earth and the, the resource system that we depend upon for for our economy and for everything else that we do um, and it's really about bringing our lifestyles back into harmony with what gives us life um, and uh, she just looked at me and, and said, well, you're not going to cook tofu in my kitchen. <laughs> she was about, hard to win over, but my dad did change. He, um, he changed a lot more than my mom. He, he, um, he, he held out for a while, but then he got very ill, and his cardiologist told him what he really should do if he wants to get, got, wanted to get better was to read my book and, um, and handed him a copy, and my poor father, you know, here's the the man who to him is the high priest of Western medicine, a very highly paid cardiologist in Rancho Mirage, California, telling him he should read the book written by his maverick son who basically rejected his life work and walked away from the money that he had earned. And I mean, it just blew his mind. <laughs> but but later on, he, he made a lot of changes, and, and um, his diabetes went into remission as a result of them. Um, he used to say, well, I'm not a card-carrying vegetarian, <laughs> <laughs> as if it were something out of McCarthy. And <laughs> but I, um, uh, we, we did a lot of reconciliation in, in the later years of his life. And, and he, he actually said to me one day, he said, you know what bothers me the most about you, Johnny? And I said, no, tell me what bothers you the most about me. And he said, it's that everybody else I've ever met has their price, <laughs> and you don't. And I thought, I think he just complimented me in his backhanded way, you know? I, I, think, I, so. I, think, he, I think he think, he thought he complimented you, too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was fun, and, and I was able to um, be a, a, a um, an unconditional relationship in his life, maybe the only one, in that... Mm. He was very, very wealthy, and and he lived in a way that was conspicuous about that, and and um, everybody was wanting, you know, a check from him and playing for his money, and he was surrounded by people doing things for him that he wrote checks to, and even members of our, our family, uh, you know, he supported everybody except me, and and then and so if I called him up and just asked how he was doing or told him I loved him or uh, j- just checked in with him. He knew that it wasn't um, a front for trying to get money from him. And, and that's what I mean by I may have been the only unconditional relationship in his life. Um, and it, it served us, a level of honesty developed between us in the, in the later years that I don't think would ever have happened otherwise. Mm. And, and I, as, I, as I put myself in both of your shoes, um, I don't know if I could have walked away <laughs> from what you walked away from, but I'm pretty sure I couldn't have 
admitted that my son was right. <laughs> like I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't mean to, to diminish your accomplishments, but I kind of think your dad kind of did, did something that I find even more courageous. Well, I agree with you, and I, and you know he, um, his whole identity was Mr. Ice Cream. I mean, he did have the ice cream cone swimming pool built in his backyard and everything, and and um, but I I actually admire him more for that ability that you're describing. Um, than I do for his all of his business achievements, although they are prodigious, because because this was of the heart. This this was a an act of. It, there's no ego involved in this. In fact, it's kind of ego subordinating for him to say, after all those years, and that that my work actually was worthwhile, and that I might have been right. In fact, he actually did say at one point. The most amazing thing that he'd ever experienced in his life was the most incredible thing was that it ended up that I was right. <laughs> that was very sweet for me. You know, I, I think I ended up giving him something. You know, I disappointed him terribly uh, at one point by walking away. But in the long run, I think I, I ended up giving, I, I like to think I, I ended up giving him something that was even more valuable than had I you know, taken over the ice cream business and uh, put franchises on the moon or something. I, it just, you know, the, I think the, this, this, the spiritual nature of what actually ended up taking place between us um, is something that I will always uh, be very, very grateful for. Right. I mean, it's, it's easy for me to, to look at your story and, and kind of, you know, construct a, a narrative that, that makes this whole thing very obvious in retrospect. Like this is clearly a hero's journey tale, um, you know, a father-son, you know, it's just, it's so Shakespearean or biblical. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that going, going through it, it really was, um, you know, the, leaning heavily on that spiritual guidance because it must have seemed very foggy. It was very foggy. It was very rough. I mean, he was very angry for a long time, um, and he doesn't deal well with it. Didn't deal well, well with his anger. He didn't like it, and um, um, so he, you know, we didn't talk for years. And when we did, it was very tense, and and he was just really, really angry at me. Um, but you know, his own health got really bad, and 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 then his doctor said he should read my book, and 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 he. I, I guess his life was at stake in a way, um, and he started making changes, small ones at first, but he got some results and then made bigger changes and got more results. He ended up no longer he wouldn't eat bacon and eggs for breakfast. Instead, he wanted oatmeal and orange juice and you know and prunes or something like that. And he he started getting off the drugs. He'd been on these uh, very very strong meds for high blood pressure. And his blood pressure came down completely, didn't need the medication anymore. And his diabetes improved tremendously. He didn't, didn't, he got off the insulin, he got off the, the diabetic pills. I mean, it was quite a bit of, of, of uh, healing in his whole um, insulin metabolism. And um, he lost a lot of weight that he needed to lose. Um, he felt better than he had for a long time. His golf game improved about eight strokes. I mean, everything uh, was better. And, you know, he couldn't deny that this was working for him. And 
and he, he, he stopped eating ice cream. He stopped eating sugar of any type. And, um, you know, I, I really do appreciate that, that he was able to, to make those changes. It certainly was heartwarming for me to see. And um, also I got to know him for maybe 20 more years than I would have otherwise. Mm. So now it, it sounds like from your description of, the, of some of the rocky times in your relationship and just from the way he would talk that he, w- he was a man who was very good at pushing buttons in people. Yes, yes. As, and so as I look at you know, your, your work, both, both in, you know, in Diet for a New America, which was a very, you know, it was, it was, a, it was, it was fighting words, but it was very compassionate and peaceful. Um, and the work you've done since then, including the, the, the food revolution work that you're doing now with your son Ocean, I, you know, it's like you're, you're not shying away from the fight, but you're doing it in a really peaceful way. I wonder, I wonder if, uh, if that was kind of your father's gift to you is, uh, um, no, <laughs> I wouldn't say so. I mean, the, the, uh, the, uh, the need to develop a, a, a peaceful, well, that uh, maybe yes, because I, I really he he was a very aggressive guy and um, a boss. I mean, he he was used to running a business where he had tens of thousands of employees, and those who spoke to him called him Mister Robbins, and those to whom he spoke he got called by their first name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was used to being in that position of power, and um, and then when in our society, when people have that kind of wealth. They get fawned on all all over the place and, and indulged and and in ways that are kind of bizarre, frankly. But but and I don't think they're healthy for anybody. But that's what happens. And so um, you know he was very much used to being in charge. And when I had other ideas and other thoughts and other points of view to express, he wasn't always uh, particularly receptive, to say the least. And and he was old school in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I did understand at some point, you know, I worked with Dr. King in the sixties. I marched with him and, and, and I, um, one of the things he said was that, um, we needed to, to, to oppose the sin, uh, but love the sinner. Mm. And I thought, well, that is a easier said than done, <laughs> you know, but, but it's worth it's worth aspiring in that direction, and and maybe we can't reach it fully, but maybe we can take some steps towards it. And and I I, I thought, well, it, then then we really do have to have compassion for those who don't have compassion. You know, we we really do have to reach out to and include in our in our hearts and in our in our in our goodwill the people who are doing the things we we oppose. Um, and I, I, I don't pretend by any means or claim by any means to succeed at, at that all the time or even much of the time. But I do hold that as, a, as an ideal or a, a value or a, a guiding light. And I, I really do want to um, uh, it, it, it include as many people in the food revolution as possible. Um, I, I, I don't like nutritional one-upmanship. I don't like the more vegan than thou or more raw than you or, or the, um, these divisive, uh, even polarizing um, attitudes. 
that I, I see um, in, in activists and in people who feel very passionately about topics. But I think that the, the more passionately we feel about a, a subject, the more important it is to uh, treat those who disagree with us with respect. Mm. And I'm I'm so glad to hear you say that. And, and I, I figured that was your perspective when I look at the roster of speakers um, at this year's Food Revolution, including, you know, people who are no, no friend of veganism, like Mike Adams, the Health Ranger, um, and, and many others. Um, you know, I started, since the book's come out, I've started going to kind of vegan and vegetarian conferences. Uh-huh. And, you know, I can totally see... That, that ethical vegans, you know, view eating animals in any way as any kind as a form of, of slavery, as if they're abolitionists. Yes. And so I can see how they could look at me who doesn't share their values and, and, that, and feel like there's absolutely no compromise. There's no way to compromise to maybe, you know, give the slave weekends off or, or give the slave air conditioning in their quarters. But, the, you know, but I still, um, just as as a as a form of of strategy and just in terms of being truly cruelty free and nonviolent i i really resonate with the way you invite everyone to the initial conversation about how can we have a more just and loving food policy in our world well i i look for what we have in common um more than i look for where we disagree or, or differ. Uh, we can get to the, the points of disagreement later once we've established what we have in common, and, and that's the base, that's the foundation. Then, then we can deal with our differences as allies or as partners or as somehow colleagues in, in, in a work that, that's greater than any of us, um, as opposed to dealing with them from a more adversarial or polemical place. And and I, I really want to be successful in this work. I don't mean personally. I mean I mean we. I want us to be successful. I want us to succeed, in in, in re- creating a, a healthy society and a healthy future. And there's so much at stake in, in our our very life lifetimes, and the cha- choices we make um, will have consequences that are just just extravagant. And so when. I just don't want, I don't have time really. I don't think we can afford the luxury of, of, uh, petty divisiveness and that, that kind of self-indulgence. I, I think we, we really need to transcend those, those kind of black and white thinking ways in order to form more bridges with people. Um, and, and, and it's, it's actually a lot more fun too. I, I, you know, when, when you're the president or guru of your own little cult, um, it's very boring and it's tiring. And um, how much more fun to actually engage with the, the entire consciousness of, of, of the world and all of the people and all of the things that are taking place. And you know every one of them is, is uh, uh, one of us uh, in some profound sense. I really do look for that spark of, of spirit or of, uh, of, um, of light. Um, in, in each and every person, it's sometimes very buried. It's submerged. It's distorted. It's I, I can't always find it. That's for sure. But mm-hmm. I look. I look for it. I, t- I try. Right. No matter no matter how cloudy it is, there's a sun there somewhere, right? Somewhere there's a sun. If there's a big pile of horse shit, well, there's got to be a pony around here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, before before we uh, say goodbye, I'm just curious what what you have planned for the next 55 years. <laughs> well, uh, that would take me to 120. Right. Um, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't mean to curse you with a short life, but I just I just <laughs> I, I just thought you might not look that far ahead. <laughs> um, you know, right now I am having a, a, a really great time working with Osha and my son um, on the Food Revolution Network. We've put on two summits, and uh, they've been very, very uh, wonderful events. This last one had seventy-three thousand participants. Um, they're growing rapidly. Um, I, I'm I'm loving working across these um, these kinds of divides with food groups, food, food awakening groups, food movement groups um, that maybe we have some things in common with and not other things, but fighting those things we do have in common and working with it for a common purpose. I, I really want to continue doing that. Um, I'm, I'm not uh, a, a purist and uh, who will only work with people who, who sign a purity pact and meet my standards of something. Um, um, I will work with anyone who has goodwill and um, uh, desires to see uh, the world more more loving place. Mm. Well, so um, for people who want to find out more about the food revolution, to tell us how to uh, how to go there. Foodrevolution.org, www.foodrevolution.org. Okay, and that includes, and, I, and I've been loving the emails I've been getting uh, since I signed up. Um, yeah, you can sign up there. It's free, and and we don't ever give your name to anybody, and and um, uh, or your you know your or your contact info to anybody. We we just will send you things like like those emails you've been getting, and and you can always unsubscribe. There's all, an easy thing to do at the bottom of every email to to do that. Um, you know, we don't want to impose ourselves on anybody, but, but we we do have about we the Food Revolution Network. Ocean and I uh, founded it about a year and a half ago, and. It has grown to over 140,000 members um, in a year and a half. It's growing fast, and it's an exciting thing to be involved with. I'm learning a lot from the, the whole whole process. Mm. Yep, and it's uh, it's it's definitely a uh, you know a a part of the vanguard, um, especially because it connects so many people, as you said, who have. You know, enough in common. I think, you know, when I looked through the list, I thought everyone in that list, you know, wants us all to be healthier and happier. Yes. <laughs> like no, yes. nobody has an, a, a, an agenda that overrides that. And within, within that group, there are some significant differences. And, and yet, you know, let's, as you said, let's, let's have those fights in about 20 years when there's not a single animal um, living under factory farming conditions. Then, then exactly. let's then let's go exactly. at it with the paleo people. Then, then bring it on. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I, there's so many huge problems uh, that we can address if if we get over the ourselves and get over our cynicism and get over our resignation and get over our 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 belief in our, in our impotence um, and and start to understand our, our real powers. To connect with one another and and make a difference in this world, uh, that's when to me the whole thing gets really exciting. Right. So I just you know I, I want to close by saying you know that for for years I think and I and I read your book uh, when I was you know twenty three or twenty four roughly the same time as you kind of made your uh, 
you know, the, the, the first step on your, your own hero's journey. And I think for many years, I really saw you as, um, as a kind of special role model. Like you were doing something that, that the rest of us wouldn't or couldn't do. And I think as I'm, you know, I'm approaching 50 now, I'm getting more mature. I'm seeing your story as all of our story that, you know, at whatever age, at whatever point, we all have this incredible power to, to choose a new life for, for ourselves and for, for our families, our society, and for the planet. Well, we do, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm glad that you're seeing your own uh, gifts manifesting now in all kinds of new ways and powerful ways, and, and it just continues to spread. Like we were saying at the very beginning, uh, how, how contagious um, vitality and health is, and, and frankly, truth is. When people see the truth and understand it, it, it they... they it's hard to go back to sleep once you've woken up. You can, you can doze a little bit, but you can't really forget. Mm. You know, once you've thought, seen behind the curtain, seen what's really going on, it's, it's really hard to forget it. And so it kind of haunts you and if you walk away from it and, and pulls you back, and pretty soon you're living a life of, of purpose and, and passion and, and power. Right. Well, John Robbins, it has been such an honor and a pleasure to, to share this time with you today. Foodrevolution.org for folks who want to find out more. And, John, I so appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Howard. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.